0: Uh, Commissioner Regan Fulton here great Commissioner Jake Bayer
1: here yay
0: and uh, Chairman Aaron Roller here yay we're all here wonderful we have a quorum so that's our first item for the evening our second item is public comment on items not on the agenda and i have a little paragraph to read so video or audio public comment participation is limited to three minutes per speaker if you would like to make a comment please raise your hand in the zoom application and you will be called upon when is your time to speak to raise your hand from the phone press star nine each speaker will be notified when the time has elapsed is anyone oh i do see some hands raised here it's warren wells hey warren Yes, I see. Warren, um.
2: hey everybody, this is Warren Wells um, with the uh, Marin County Bicycle Coalition. Sorry, I'm coming back from Mill Valley right now. Um, I just want to give a quick comment. Um, so this may come up in in the the meeting, but at the end of the end of August, there was a fatal crash between a pedestrian and a bicycle rider on the Milvice Osteo Pathway just north of Mike's Bikes. Um, the only thing that we have written, like, I, so we have written a statement about this. as came out on the IJ and it's also on, on the MCBC blog. We're trying to get a little bit more information about this. Um, I reached out to the Sheriff's Office and haven't heard back just to get a little more information about like what was the type of bike, was it actually an e-bike, or was it kind of a, an electric scooter? Um, when we have more information, I'll, I'll pass that back along. And just also wanted to note that even prior to this tragic crash, um, MCDC has been hearing a lot from people concerned about conflicts between pedestrians and, and people on e-bikes on the pathways around Marin. And we have started work on and hired a new staff member to manage a program called e-bike smart Marin would be based on uh, doing e-bike safety and education for especially focused on younger riders, but um but uh, you know more broadly focused on reducing those negative interactions between e-bike users and other users of the pathway so just wanted to address that tragedy and and let you all know that we're doing our best to try to make sure something like that doesn't happen again
3: thank you warren i was uh, i was hoping that that would be a public comment and you were the perfect person to to mention that thank you very much um, I don't see any other hands. If someone would like to make a public comment, please raise your hand. Love to hear from you.
4: Recording Good. in progress.
3: There we go. Sorry still about that, folks. It's okay. I uh, still don't see any hands. There we go. Sybil's up. Hey, Sybil. I'm ask you to unmute here.
4: Uh,
3: let's see if I can get in here. Uh, okay. Welcome.
4: Um, yeah. So um, I just. Um, Got in a minute late, so I only heard about half of what Warren said, but um I know he's all about safety too. And I just wanted to mention that um Age Families Hell Salito uh, wearing the um, America Walks hat um had um said that we would um pass out the um the oops, I don't know if you can see him, the safe, the smart guide. Oops. The um, League of Smart Cycling, Smart Cycling Quick Guides, and um, to as part of the um, Eyes Up program, and um, so we're uh, hoping that um, some of you folks will um, help us to organize that. We're hoping to have we've been talking with um, with folks at um, at Public Works and and the police about where we could appropriately put a little booth, um, like a table and an umbrella or something, a little station for um, an afternoon and have some um, youth and other people passing out these guides and hopefully intercepting bicycles. And I'm hoping we can arrange to get some little premiums that cyclists of all ages would like to have, maybe a light or something that's not too expensive that we can offer them besides the um, the guide, the guy which just has some, you know a few handy hints in it, and uh, just as a little, um, and we'll also have materials about the Eyes Up program, and um, so that's a contribution that we're hoping to make to it. And um, so uh, you may be discussing that again later. I'm not sure, but I just wanted to mention that and ask for your help. I know Kieran already uh, said he'd be happy to help. Um, and um, we'll be, um, he was away and then I was away and we will, hopefully we'll be touching base and um, so thank you very much.
3: Thank, thank you, Sybil. Uh, is there, can we preview those uh, in a digital form uh, prior to it? And then also uh, maybe uh, do you have a spot where they could be picked up uh, physically, you know, uh, not at a table? And you're still muted here. Let me get you to unmute
0: again. Uh, Mr. Chairman, we, whoa, I'm echoing again. We may be able to place them at City Hall as well.
4: Okay. So I'm, you know, buying a limited number of them with um, the money that I have. And um, it should be, should be, we should have 200 of them. And um, so that should be okay. And um, Yes, they're also available online from the League of Smart Cycling, and um, I can send the link. I'd be happy to send that link, um, and so you'd have that, and no. and we'll put that um, on our website and you know on um, social media as well. Um, and Erin, I'd love to talk with you about it more also. So. Um, let me know. Um, I just want to, you know, do this in concert uh, with you guys and, you know, in a smart and um, harmonic, harmonious way as we can. And, Absolutely. Um,
3: yeah, I, lo- I love the idea. And thank you so much for um, for all the effort you put in. Thank you. Thank you. All
0: right. Okay, Mr. Chairman, I don't see anybody else. Oopsie. There we go. Yeah, so... I saw Karen's hand,
3: uh, or was that a bye? Was that a goodbye, Karen? I'm waving goodbye. Okay. I think you're right. Let's, uh, let's move on,
0: Kevin. Okay. Next on the agenda is, um, approval of minutes for July 18th, 2022 and September 19th of 2022. Do I have a motion to approve those minutes?
5: I move to approve both sets of minutes
0: and a second second great let me call the roll um uh, let's see Regan Fulton yes Jessica Penrod yes Kieran Culligan yes Jake Beer. yes and uh Chairman Roller yes yes that item carries thank you so much and I believe we're on to item four which is our discussion item So this evening, um, we have David Parisi, who's going to help us with kind of talking about the Bridgeway study that's happening between Napa and San Carlos Avenue. So with that, hopefully, David, you have the screen, and you can kind of lead us through a discussion.
6: Great. I will do that. Uh, Good evening, PPAC members. Uh, David Parisi here, traffic engineer, civil engineer Uh, from Marin County. I'm joined tonight by uh, or with uh, Venera uh, Mandanas, who's uh, a junior engineer that works with our firm, who you may have seen walking up and down the street, taking a lot of measurements and making observations. So uh, may I may call on Venera to add to our conversation tonight. Uh, I do have a, a, a PowerPoint presentation, so I'm going to share my screen with that right now. And before I do that, I am going to ask you guys to feel free to interrupt. There's a lot of data that we're going to go over tonight. And we're going to want to hear your uh, observations uh, as well. So let me jump right in. Excellent. So we're looking actually um, about 2,400 linear feet of Bridgeway from about 250 feet north of Napa Street to about 250 feet south of Johnson Street. Our scope of work is to do a number of things, review collision data, and we're able to Get the most recent information in the last month, so that's nice. We'll talk through that tonight. Uh, review conditions in the field, and we want to hear from you about that as well. Uh, prepare existing conditions mapping, and uh, so Veneer has been busy, very busy doing. We have very detailed maps down to the nearest inch uh, because we think at the end of the day when we develop short and long-term recommendations, we're going to need to know. Uh, every inch is out there to come up with some, some uh Really good solutions. Outreach uh, to the BPAC and a couple different events, including tonight, and we'll eventually create a draft and final safety study report. What's shown in bold here are the things that we've um, are almost finished accomplishing. It includes a review of the data and conditions and doing some mapping, and tonight's our first outreach with the PBAC. I'm gonna get right into some of uh, the collision data. It's, it's very eye-opening. We looked at five years of history from January 1st, 2017 t- until last December 31st. We just have access to reported collisions. We don't know much about non-reported collisions, but we know that there was 40 collisions reported in this uh, 2,400 linear foot segment. Just over half of them involve vehicles only. And almost half of them included just pedestrians and bicyclists being hit by a vehicle. In one case, a pedestrian was hit by a bike. But back to these uh, types of collisions, interestingly enough, of the 21 collisions involving vehicles only, only two of those resulted in injuries and they were minor. On the other hand, of the 19 collisions involving pedestrians and bicyclists, all but two involved injuries that that varied from pain to severe injury. Tonight, I'm going to show you a bunch of tables, followed by a bunch of graphs that show the collisions, where they occurred, how they occurred, and some of our conclusions about this information. The first thing we're going to do is focus on all 40 collisions that occurred, and we're going to go over what we call primary collision factors. This is what the police, uh, during the investigation, determine were the primary reason for the collisions. Improper turning and automobile right-of-way violation collisions were the most common, uh, particularly at Napa Street, as you will see. Unsafe speed collisions were common throughout the corridor. Pedestrian right-of-way violations collisions were, were common in certain places, particularly at Johnson Street. A high proportion of cyclist collisions were caused by improper turning. And all pedestrian collisions were caused by uh, drivers or cyclists not yielding to pedestrians while they were crossing the street. This chart shows you the collision types again of all 40 collisions and uh, Kieran you want to do you have a question?
5: Yeah, I was wondering if you someone was to get doored um, would it fall into one of those categories?
6: We'd have to look deeper into the into the report, It'd probably be a sideswipe type of collision. It was a collision type. Okay. Um, which is shown right here. There was there was four of those that are, that occurred. This is a collision type of the among the vehicle only collisions. Rear end were most common throughout the corridor. There were also a number of vehicle only side swipe collisions that occurred at Napa Street. Broadside collisions or T-bone collisions, where somebody is hit from the side, uh, were common in collisions involving cyclists. Again, primarily at Napa Street. A number of side swipe collisions involving cyclists occurred throughout the quarter, And I imagine, uh, Karen, that probably included some of the dooring that you mentioned. And collisions involving pedestrians occurred mostly at Locust Street and Johnson Street. And we'll show you some graphs or some, some illustrations in a minute really telling. So this is focused on the, poly- uh, the um, collision factors just for the 19 pedestrian and bike collisions. Uh, those are shown right here, as I mentioned before. Uh, improper turning is the biggest reason for seven out of the 13 collisions that involved cyclists. Um, pedestrian collisions for those were four of the five were folks crossing the street in a crosswalk, one unsafe speed. And there was one collision that included a bicyclist hitting a pedestrian. Continuing on the theme of pedestrian and bicycle collisions, here you'll see the types of, uh, you know, those that resulted in different types of uh, injuries, from visible injuries to complaint of pain, severe injury. And again, only two of the 19 were non-injury accidents or collisions that consisted of proper damage. We want to go a little deeper and see if there's any other telltale signs about why some of these collisions are occurring or when they are occurring. Um, this is interesting to us of the 13 bicycle collisions that were hit by cars. Um, support of those occurred on a Saturday, three on a Thursday, and one or two on other days. Where pedestrians got hit, two, two on Tuesday, one on Thursday, one on a Friday, one on a Sunday, so no telltale sign there. And then the bicycle pedestrian collision was on a Saturday. We also wanted to understand a little bit more about the time of some of these collisions. And as you can see here, the majority of the bike collisions, 8 of the 13, occurred between noon and 4 p.m. And 4 between 4 and 8 p.m. As far as pedestrians getting hit, Again, the majority of those occurred also between noon, noon and 4 p.m. We thought this was very interesting. We also wanted to understand a little bit more about, a little deeper about the time of day and see if there's any conditions that we sh- that would um, lead us to want to think about increased or improved lighting. But we didn't see a lot of collisions occurring at dusk or at nighttime. Most of those collisions are occurring in the middle of the day. And as I mentioned before, four of the five uh, but pedestrian collisions were in the crosswalk. One was not in the crosswalk and got hit by a, a car that was going in excessive speed. So now I'm going to share with you uh, a bunch of graphs, which uh, help us understand the 6-7 block segment of Bridgeway and where these collisions occurred, where they were recorded. One thing that's uh, really interesting to us is that most of the active transportation collisions were caused by southbound traveling motorists. So we're able to uh, decipher that from the data that we saw. These maps really show you the just spatially uh, some of the same collision data that I just listed in the tables. These are all collisions in that five-year period, cyclists where a cyclist was hit by a car that's shown in a square, where a pedestrian was hit that's shown in a circle, and where a vehicle collided with another vehicle is shown in a triangle. And then what we're showing here are all the primary collision factors. You don't need to spend a ton of time here because we're gonna dive deeper and look at this, the active transportation collisions, which are the ones that result in the most amount of injuries. But you certainly can see Napa Street had the highest share of collisions overall of all the intersections. Um, Locust, a number of pedestrians were hit at that location as well as at Johnson Street. So this is the collision type again by whoever got hit uh, at these locations. And you can see um, at Napa Street, you see a lot of broadsides. For the cyclists. And you can see those in the kind of the uh, purple squares. You see some side swipes. Um, if you skip down to Locust Street, vehicles hit pedestrians crossing the street at this location. So Locust has been a, a scene of uh, several pedestrians being hit by cars, as well as at Pine Street and Johnson Street as well. Here's a map that shows um, the severity of a collision. And those are shown in the different colors. If it's proper damage only, we didn't fill in the shape. If it was a minor injury, it's shown in a light orange. And if it was a severe injury, we highlighted that in red. So for instance, in Napa Street, there was a cyclist that experienced a severe injury at that location. At Locust Street, a pedestrian crossed the street had a severe injury. But again, you see lots of light orange. So you'll see one, two, three, four cyclists that were hit and suffered minor injuries at Napa Street. Um, You see some along the street between the blocks, between Napa and B. Cyclist was hit and hurt there as well. Um, You'll see that other space locations along the street. Again, Locust, uh, Pine, and Johnson, Again, Locus and Johnson are seeing the pedestrian collisions for the most part. The bicycle collisions are spread throughout the street with a major focus at Napa. This diagram is showing the 21 vehicle-only collisions, so a car hitting another car for the most part. This is for information. It is important, though, to see that, you know, Napa was one, two, three, four, five, six collisions that occurred there. Um, we're going to want to share with you some of our ideas and want to hear from you about why you think some of these are occurring as well um, but you can see the different types of collisions that occurred here rear ends a couple side swipes a um, head-on collision through the intersection and other so that may was not a classified uh, for a type but if you head down the street and we just go to the south at b you are seeing. Vehicle accidents, broadside, rear end. Over half the collisions for cars on the street were rear end collisions, interestingly enough. That could be for somebody stopping for a pedestrian in the crosswalk or stopping to make a or slowing down uh, very quickly to make a right turn. Or Or at a traffic signal at Johnson Street. So for the active transportation modes, those are shown here. Again, the squares are the cyclists who are generally hit by cars. And the the circles are the pedestrians who are also hit by cars, except for one who was hit by a cyclist. And if we go again from Napa and then travel southerly, you'll see that at Napa Street, four of the six bicycle-related collisions that occurred involved improper turning the intersection and two of those an automobile right-of-way violation did not yield uh, or just made a left turn in front of a bike for instance and as we uh, traverse down bridgeway you'll see other collisions let's focus at locus here again where a couple of the pedestrian collisions occurred there was a uh, pedestrian uh, motorist did not yield to pedestrian in, in the um, crosswalk or was traveling on safe speed Improper passing uh, of a cyclist and the bike lane. It, there is no bike lane, or it just starts around this after this intersection in the northbound direction. So passing a cyclist. Um, there was a DUI at Turney Street, and then at uh, Pine Street, you'll see uh, several different types of collision types that occurred, including improper turning, a couple of those, unsafe speed failing to yield to pedestrian at Pine Street, and a couple of those also at Johnson. Again, Johnson is the only signalized intersection along this segment of Bridgeway. For the uh, bicycle and pedestrian collisions, here are the types of collisions that occurred at these locations. Let me go back to the previous one just so I wasn't confusing anybody. Primary collision factors, and these are the collision types. Okay. So again, broadsides up in Napa, primarily occurring uh, for the uh, cyclists, locus, um, we see uh, vehicles hitting pedestrians, etc. cetera. And this is a very important graphic for us. This is showing you the types of cl- injuries, where the injuries occurred, along the corridor for the cyclists and the pedestrians. Again, cyclists in the squares everybody that got hit as a cyclist at Napa Street had a minor injury or the one severe injury at Locust Street where the pedestrian experienced severe injury and you're seeing uh, just a regular spacing of injuries along the corridor for bicyclists and pedestrians as well again overall in that 5 year period there was a total of uh, 19 bicycle and pedestrian collisions And here's a graphic that is showing the direction of uh, who was at fault in these collisions. Again, primarily the motorists. And you'll see that as shown in the blue colors, most of the motorists were going southbound. That would hit uh, either a um, bicyclist, shown in the squares, pedestrians in the circles, bicyclists here near Pine. Uh, Northbound is shown in the purple. There's only three, which all hit bicyclists, including in these areas where there is no bike lane, and then up here at Napa Street. And you do see some cross street maneuvers, eastbound, going toward the bay. I don't know why this is out here, but it must have been a turn from a parking space. Um, And here at Johnson as well are shown in red, eastbound is red, and westbound is shown in green. So three collisions, westbound, And then two collisions originated going eastbound across the street. These are for us. This is uh, identifier information from the Switters reports from the police. So we can pull up and be able to um, decipher different types of collisions. That's some information that we're very interested in.
5: Kevin, can I ask you a question? Just on the... On the count right so i'm like kind of looking at all these dots and it feels like a lot of accidents um over five years especially considering how many are probably not reported you know we know it's a high rate that aren't reported for bike and pet incidents but like
0: from your perspective is that number
5: like does that point to you and say like yes this is for sure a safety hot spot like where would you put it on the gradation of the amount of accidents we're seeing
6: you know we haven't done a rate Analysis yet, but I do know from a few years ago when we were conducting the Britton County Systemic Safety Analysis Report on behalf of the county. um, The collisions uh, along Bridgeway were probably very similar in number as they are within the most current five year period and are rated as one of the more of the hotspots within the county. So we will be looking here at the the current rate uh, to understand that, not only from um, collisions per million vehicle miles traveled which is the common denominator, but also how it relates to other locations throughout throughout Marin. Well the bottom line is uh, with 20 or almost half of the collisions being active transportation I think that's pretty uh, serious and it's a good reason the city is taking a look at this corridor. Thanks. What I'd like to do next is if it's if it's okay is switch my screen and show you what we know physically and infrastructure-wise about the corridor and ask you to chime in as we go from north to south and provide some of your your feedback, um, if that makes sense. Because we are also going to be, we really want to hear from you about what your observations are, and we'll share, share ours. We're not here tonight to come up with the solutions yet. We are going to share with you a list of potential countermeasures that we'll be considering, and we'd love to get your feedback on that. Aaron, did you have a your hand raised for a second?
3: Yeah, thanks, mm-hmm. uh, David. Those um, those this graphs and seeing that visually is so helpful. One one of the one of the squares at Napa, we did a deep analysis on. That was the twelve year old um, that got hit. Yeah, that, that was reported as a minor injury, uh, if I saw so on your graphics. And, he, and I, I don't want to spend a lot of time getting into the details there. But if that was actually reported as a minor injury, it would be surprised. Uh, in fact, we had heard she had broken a hip. But, um, and so, it, and and the only thing that I would say about that is that it would just help us get a little bit of insight mm-hmm. into what it is we're looking at, because yeah. it would be hard to believe the yeah.
1: I'll
6: have a, uh, well, I'm gonna start showing the map of Venera to look into that. We were, we actually revisited the video took a look at that. That collision has been, is part of this database. So uh, while I'm going to start walking through the map in if you could just look up that collision and confirm how the police recorded that in the Switters database, Um, that'd be helpful. And then feel free to interrupt us as we go. It looks like Warren has his hand raised. Yeah, thanks, David. Chair Chair Roller, do you want me to call on folks or you want to handle that? How do you want to handle it?
3: Yeah, please. Yeah, go for it, man. Okay, okay. Thank
6: Thank you. Thanks guys. Quick
3: question
2: um, just about, um, Kevin, kind of terms of the way the, the data are being reported. So, you know, there, I, I was curious about the, the, the term, you know, the term broadside, because I've seen that used in several different cases. Like I can imagine that being the case if someone were crossing the crosswalk at Napa on a bicycle at the RFB to get to the multi-use path on the south side, as happened in that, that crash that Chair Roller was referring to. I've also seen broadside used um in the case of a, of a right hook crash. So for instance, if a, if a rider was continuing south on Bridgeway and a driver was taking that slip lane to, to Caledonia there, like you know, because the bicyclist is kind of doing the broadside in there. Do you have any insight? Like, do the do the data separate out those two different crash types? Or are you guys doing any kind of additional um Analysis, you know, with what's available in spitters, to determine, are these right hook crashes or are these actually like people being hit at a right angle?
6: Thanks. Thanks, Warren. Um, so it depends on how the police officer reports the collision. Improper turning is, I think, what most of you were talking about. Um, improper turning is was the cause of 11, at least 11 of the 40 collisions as reported. By the police, So we think that mostly the left hooks and right hooks were probably covered there. It's very possible that a collision was called a broadside in one of those cases, and we can take a deeper look. We do not have access to the police records, uh, the accident reports, the detailed accident reports, but the database we have is pretty extensive. So that is something that wherever there was a broadside near an intersection, we could ta- take a deeper look and see if, in fact, that could have been an improper turn that helps answer that question. Do you have anything back on that that one collision? Yes.
7: Um, So I was looking in the database, and they have it listed as a visible injury, a three. Um, It goes from zero to four, with uh, one being a fatality, two being a severe injury, three being um, a visible injury, and that's what it was uh, categorized as.
0: Thanks. Well, thank you. I just have a quick question about what a automobile right-of-way violation is. Is that something where the bicyclist is at fault?
6: No. In this case, um, particularly on this corridor, it's where a motorist did not yield to pedestrian in a, in a crosswalk. Or they made a, you know, uh, prim- primarily that's what we're seeing. Or when they just failed to yield when it was the law would require them to do so. So with this information we can come back to this what i wanted to do is kind of walk through the corridor and also just really open it up to uh your perspectives here's what venera besides looking at the collision information has been doing busy doing with with me and our staff and that is creating a base plan about existing conditions along the street i'm going to go from north to south and keep in mind where a lot of these collisions occurred why they happened and also the street geometrics traffic controls and other features along the roadway. Is this big enough for everyone to see? Okay, great. So we're gonna go all the way down the street, but we're gonna do it very slowly. And what you're gonna see are several attributes. We have um, identified the width, curb to curb of the street, the sidewalks, the right of way is shown in blue, where parking is not allowed, is shown in dashed red along the curb lines. We are highlighting curb ramps, sidewalks. We've located all the signs along the street, all the lighting standards. Um, we didn't replicate the striping because it's very visible from this aerial, side this resolution aerial that we uh, added here. And actually, let me zoom in one more time. And it takes a while to regenerate. Uh, but once it does, we can we can go down the corridor. I feel that this group is uh, very valuable to us to, as constant, you know, continuous users of this roadway. Just a second while this is uh, locking up, it'll be back with us in a second. I hope. <laughs> While we're waiting, somebody raise their hand. It looks like.
3: Well, yeah, yeah. We may have to ask her to unmute here. Let's see. Okay, Sybil, so we'll go ahead. If you unmute
0: yourself. So, uh, David, this is Kevin. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Sybil.
4: Oh, sorry, I didn't know you would call on me at this moment. Because um, I had uh, two questions, uh, or one question and one comment. Um, the I was confused when you were because you had some of those um, records China. that uh, the, the the data you were showing so vehicle bike, and then you had pedestrian bike. You know, a bike pedestrian. And when you were talking about bike pedestrian, you also talked about. Some of the things you were saying were bicyclists being injured by a vehicle and pedestrians being injured by a bike. It wasn't clear which you were talking, you know, like for the 19 accidents are those both bicycles being hit by cars and bicycles hitting pedestrians. Or it was confusing to me um, throughout that uh, once we got into bike ped what exactly, who were the two parties in each accident that you were describing? And then, uh, and I'd like to uh, maybe, if it's possible, to clarify that a little bit. And I'd just like to make one comment, and that was in the previous uh, report from a few years ago, I did note that the majority of injuries were to older adults. So we have, that's why we have a particular interest in that. Um, I don't know if that's true of this most recent report as well. Thank you.
6: Okay, thank you for those questions. I can um, answer the first question, and then we can look further into the age of the victims. Um, first question: There was 19 collisions that were a, that were involved. Uh, the victims being a pedestrian or a bicyclist. 18 of those involved vehicles hitting the victim. One of them was a bicyclist that hit a pedestrian. So just the one. In that case,
0: great David. This is Kevin. Yeah, um, as you and your team look at this, how would you like this group to weigh in? In other words, um, I can mention a few things as we look at the corridor, and maybe that could help the rest of the folks here on the in the meeting kind of lead them through some of these things. The first thing that comes to mind for me is how is the site distance for some of the crossings? We have some parking folks, uh, folks who park on the side of Bridgeway, uh, heading southbound and even heading northbound. Um, Do we have sufficient sight distance in some of these cases and has your team analyzed that?
6: Great, great question, Kevin. There is some locations that we believe have limited sight lines and we're going to be looking at those. Um, And we see some opportunities. I don't want to. Well, let's go ahead and cut to Chase. I think there's some places where the sight lines are. Um, Totally obstructed by parked vehicles, and that's something that we want to take a look at where parking is allowed right up into the the curb, right up to the cross street or the crosswalk. So for sure.
0: All right. Uh, Just seeing if anybody else wanted to weigh in on that particular topic. The other one that comes to mind is Napa Street has kind of an odd characteristic as far as its geometry. And you and I have talked about this in the past. And looking at that, do you think the geometry of the intersection and how it's configured may have uh, been one of the reasons for so many accidents? Um, Could it, if we change that geometry, can we improve it?
6: I think that there's a number of issues that are occurring at that intersection, right? Um, There is a uh, incoming traffic has just gone through a speed from two lanes to one. In a speed reduction in that area, uh, not all traffic is slowing down. My office used to be right at that corner, and when we had the door open, we heard skidding all day long. <laughs> That's not why we moved, but you know, certainly traffic is is, is coming in at a very fast uh, clip at that location. Uh, it's very awkward also on how vehicles leave Napa Street from the west side and have their own turn lane uh, and. Drivers not necessarily paying attention as they're coming across the street at that point. Um, it's a long crosswalk across the street. It is the first uncontrolled crosswalk, mm-hmm. if you think about it, coming into um, Sausalito as you're coming in from the south. So it is the very first one through it where the roadway has come through a speed reduction uh, in that area. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of, there's, there's several things that we'd like to consider. Um, including anything from refuge islands to changing some of how the the turns are handled to even, and it's been brought up by this key back before, long-term possibly roundabout at that intersection. It is the key location, obviously, for the collisions that have been occurring in Sausalito or on this segment, so it it warrants um, some special analysis. I'd love to hear other people's input. I'm I'm still trying to get my drawing back up. It's a high resolution. So let's just, if you guys can go for memory of Napa, let's stick with that.
0: Aaron, do you want to go next? Yeah, um, I
5: guess the first one is just kind of in general on sight lines. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely have felt that there's places where it's impinged. Uh, That could mean if some parking goes away. I don't know if you've uncovered the mystery of why we have those no parking zones next to some trees on that stretch, but like maybe we could bring back a spot or two as we're trying to make better sight lines elsewhere. So just an idea to throw out. Um, But like in a relative sense, the sight lines are actually much better on that stretch of Bridgeway than they are on the adjacent stretch of Caledonia. Like as a pedestrian, someone on a bike, someone driving a car, I feel way worse about those sight lines on the Caledonia intersections. Uh, For Bridgeway, for me, it's just speed. Like people are coming in so hot. Uh, Napa is the linchpin, but they because they're carrying that speed, like it's kind of it carries the danger all the way down as they're heading south. So I definitely agree with the the point there. Of um, yeah, feels like a hot spot. Uh, feels feels like sidelines are an issue, but like to me, speed uh, is one of the bigger issues.
6: Yeah, you know, Karen, it's interesting. We counted a, about how much paid parking availability there is along this stretch. And there's parking for about 69 vehicles along the street. Um, the mystery of those X's, for years, I thought that's where it, those were there because if somebody had a trailer for their boat, <laughs> they could park their boat. There. But the X's are right in front of trees, right? And so uh, Kevin's nodding his head. So that must be part of the reason people have hit their car into the trees before. I still still think, you know, you see trees by parking spaces all the time, so there may be an opportunity to do some reconfiguring,
1: in my opinion, so. Yeah.
0: Jake, do you wanna go next?
1: Sure, yeah, just a few thoughts. I mean, first off, David, this is is awesome. I'm really excited about this. I live up on um, Pine and Bonita, so I spend a lot of time on the stretch road with three young kids as a cyclist, as a jogger, as a walker, as a driver. Um, and I think sight lines, the lack of the bump outs. Um, so you're, you have to expose yourself to traffic. And as you alluded to that intersection at Napa, I mean, if you ever wanted to sit in Dumpy Park with a six pack and a speed gun, see how fast cars are coming in there. I'm, I'm sure you could have no problem writing 30, 40 tickets in a day. Um, you know, I, I don't know if, if you're studying, it's hard to quantify these types of things, but, Certainly speed at certain of these these intersections, you can lay down strips and do a speed study. I don't know if that's an element and consideration here and and what that could or should be. Um, The other bit, and maybe that's on us as feedback, but just sentiment, you know, businesses, if we are able to um, encourage foot traffic to either side of the street for some of these businesses that may not get as much foot traffic, because it can be really intimidating for an older person uh, or someone with young kids to to go back and forth across the street. And if it felt safer, more people might do it, and it might encourage more visitation to some of these businesses that just don't get it as much during high traffic on a, on a weekend.
6: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, like I said, I, I've spent a lot of time walking along the street, crossing the street, many, many years. There's 11 uncontrolled crosswalks on this, and I can't tell you um, – how many times I felt that motors were not yielding to <laughs> there's a there's a behavior problem, uh, also. Well, uh, well cyclists, too,
1: I think. And, cyclists, and too, is, absolutely. It's a road cyclist, but likely, exactly, yeah. you, you know, I've almost gotten hit, my kids have almost gotten hit. So I think it goes both ways for sure. Absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. But it, yeah. Susan, I think you had your hand up,
8: too. Yeah, thanks. Um, and Aaron, can you stop sharing your screen? Sure. Or I'm not seeing anything on there. But... Oh, I
3: see. I'm sorry. I thought it was a I... map. Uh, not...
8: Oh, maybe, maybe it's just my internet connection. I don't know if anybody else could see. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, as a um, bicyclist, driver, and walker in this area, just kind of wanted to add my agreement to pretty much everything that's been said. Um, I am shocked. I think the only thing I was shocked by was the conclusion that there are not more incidents at, in the evening at dusk. I have been coming home, you know, bringing my kids home from soccer, all sorts of things, driving south in the evening. And with the lack of bulb outs and the lack of lighting and the lack of daylighting, literally had to slam on my brakes. You know, and I I don't know if I was speeding, but even if I wasn't, I could not see people coming out with their kids, crossing the street to go to Barbacci or joinery or for just you know walking their dog in the park. And it's just, so I'm shocked by that. I think lighting, mm-hmm. one of the things that hasn't been mentioned yet is lighting. I definitely think that that's um, a small piece of this larger puzzle, um, you know. but agree with kind of all of the other things about um, daylighting and well uh, bouts. The speed, you know, the fact that I think people don't really understand that they're coming from a two-lane road to a one-lane road to uncontrolled crosswalks. And there's maybe inadequate warning for folks and engineering to get people to just naturally slow down. So I loved, was it Karen, was it you that did the thing about the um, roundabout? At that intersection is one potential solution. Did you and Aaron- yeah, it was
5: Matt Hartzell, um, who's on, actually did, our, did this schematic for us?
8: Okay. Well, anyway, that's one one possibility. I guess the other thing I just say is I I think there's a lot more pedestrian traffic um, in this area, which is one of the whole things that we were trying to do <laughs> with um, revitalizing Dumpy Park. Um, uh-huh. you know just a lot going on there now at many times of day, like the volleyball, the bocce. The cruising club is doing really well. The restaurants on that side of the street are doing really well. So I think just more people are out and um, definitely more people out walking around, at least anecdotally from my experience. Um, and so, I you know, I'm glad that we're paying attention to this quarter.
6: Great. And I apologize for our drawing on being able to regenerate, I think I just have too much going on with the computer here. <laughs> so once it comes back, we can we can take a look at it. But I think you guys are very aware of this quarter, Aaron. Yeah. yeah. Um. Go ahead.
3: So uh, another another thing that I just want to highlight, I'm not sure if it was mentioned, but in the left turn lane uh, northbound when you're going northbound at Napa Street is uh is is very lightly used um, by people making a left. It, in fact, you've done some studies in the past for other projects and those numbers are like you know three per hour or something like that, really low. And uh, but I I would think the numbers of people using that to pass the person driving 25 miles an hour is actually more because that's what happens. Um, because there is no obstruction there, they will uh, when heading north out of out of that area, they will pass uh the vehicle in front to uh to just because it's a two two la- uh two lane tran- transition to two lane from one lane to two lane and uh you know what a what a horrible spot to be just gunning it. um but it think I think it's natural and i think that, that that um says a lot about that spot it is very much the transition from that other part of town to this part of town, you know, and and that kind of thing. And of course, that's where the roundabout's wonderful because it's a nice. Hey, here's a transition, and, and look at the nice piece of art um, to help you calm down because you are in a in a new spot. So, mm-hmm. just wanted to uh, to to bring a highlight to that as well. That there is that that you know left turn that's really uh, is is it could be blocked um, as an opportunity, especially even a short term opportunity. Um, we talked about the line of sight uh, issues, which I think is great. And then I guess we're we're still talking about Napa. We're going to talk about some of the other streets uh, yeah. later. Sorry, right? okay.
6: Uh huh. I've had. It looks like I've had. Oh, almost had luck. I think i have tried to do too much. I'm going to take my own video off, and see if that helps. Okay.
3: Don't move. Don't move your graphic anymore. Um, and. Uh, also, I just wanted to say that as a driver, you know, um, it is it is always a challenge, uh, you know, coming out at that spot, but even as a driver. Uh, so when I come say coming out, I mean uh, facing eastbound, going northbound. Um, as a driver, I still choose to use that intersection versus any of the other intersections uh, south of there because it is still the better intersection. Because it's it's still more clear and all that, and even with the the high uh, speed of the cars and the cyclists coming southbound at that point, um, it's still better than trying to pull out, say, over by where the Bicycle Odyssey used to be, or some one of those roads where mm-hmm. uh, it's also more challenging. You just can't see, and you just you just you know, I just kind of stick the bumper out and and hope somebody can see me, and and we'll all work it out together. Because sometimes it's just too challenging to see, and that's uh, unfortunate for all of us, uh, you know, as Bicyclists coming down, but then also just as drivers, it's like um, it's an uncomfortable situation. So, uh, you know, uh, I think there's uh, an opportunity to continue um, sending and using this as that entrance and perhaps maybe the only entrance towards northbound. Mm-hmm. Um, could actually help uh, reduce some of the anxiety with trying to make across the, across the road and that kind of thing. So, of course, I have a whole bunch of <laughs> different ideas, but really that's just the the uh, perspective of uh, of a user. Thank you.
6: Okay, great. It looks like I have more success instead of using a strip map, just doing plan sheets. So, we'll just go that route. And we can just march on down the corridor. I see
3: David uh, Sudo. Hey,
6: David. Good evening.
7: Good evening. Um- I'm just giving. You know, obviously, I think everybody here thinks that an island would be the best idea to slow traffic down there. Um, I would just wonder if absent a roundabout, whether that pedestrian refuge island idea on, you know, yeah, right there, yeah, and or or something like, um, you know, the soft hit posts delineating the bike lane uh, entering that intersection. You know, from the north, uh, would help kind of narrow the lane and make people naturally want to slow down. Uh, I, I guess my best example would be the improvements at um, the beginning of Sir Francis Drake or End, where mm-hmm. at the top of the at the top of the hill, um, going on to five eighty, where they put all they put a bunch of new cement and they really narrowed the lanes down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and makes it much more challenging to exceed the speed limit by 20 miles an hour. Um, you know, just whether we can kind of create some kind of visual uh, mass or something to, to make people pay more attention and slow down a little bit just naturally because I don't, you know, speed limit signs aren't going to do it. Right? right. They don't work now, but, but I, and I agree with everybody else about, you know, a, a lot of these Corners have pretty good daylight, but a few of them don't. Um, but there's a lot happening. There's a lot of cars coming in and out of intersections. There's pedestrians coming from, from out behind buildings, and they, if they're a jogger, they're only like t- two seconds before, between when you see them and when they're in the street. And, um, and then there's a whole lot of inattentive, uh, I would, I'm just going to say rental bicyclists I've seen uh, midday on weekends, just doing, I mean, not aware of traffic at all, doing crazy things. Um, and I think, I, you know, I think that the 10 to 3, I mean, noon to 3 is pretty indicative. If you've ever been downtown at, at 2 o'clock on a Saturday, it's pretty much a free-for-all and there's just a lot going on.
6: Um, so one, one thing you brought up is, you know, the, the lack of red curb near intersection. Here's an example on this sheet, right near B yeah. Street, right? So cars can park right next to that crosswalk, right? You know, so the, the, there are several locations like that along the six-block segment of right. Bridgeway. Some of them are pretty well daylighted, though. A det further down. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll march down yeah. the street if. Uh, but but I mean,
7: I I just it's I mean it's just speed. We got to slow people down. <laughs> it's, I, it, yeah. That's that's my opinion. Uh, I used to live off of Caledonia for 10 or 15 years, and and it's it's always speed is the issue. If people are going 20 miles an hour, there's a lot more time to stop for something that happens unexpectedly
6: as opposed to 30 or 40. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with you, though, with the uh, pedestrian bicyclists who have been hit. It, most of it has not been related to speed. It's been, you know, right-of-way violations, Um Well, not, not you know, yielding at the turns, et cetera.
7: Yeah. I mean, the other thing for bicyclists, there's a lot of complex stuff going on. They've got fast moving traffic on one side, cars parking with doors that can swing open the other side. And then they've got to watch pedestrians crossing at this crosswalks. And it's just a lot of overload, um, going on, especially this first two blocks, Mm -hmm. uh, Two or three blocks. Because Mm -hmm. the bicycles are carrying a lot of speed too, uh, off the hill there a lot of times.
0: Okay. Thanks, David.
3: All right. That's my comment. Yep. Thank you very much. Uh, let's move on to Jake.
1: Yeah, just a quick thought, because with the ball belts, I I presume we may have to get rid of some parking. But you know that the stretch coming southbound. So if you're southbound on Bridgeway before you hit Napa. Yeah. There's that stretch of um, yeah, right in there. There's, I don't know what the, the, you know, maybe a question for Kevin as well, but there's a lot of FC cars that park there long term, it seems. I don't know if there's potential to put in metered parking there. If We take parking away down, further down in Bridgeway and put some <laughs> up there if, if that becomes an issue. Yeah,
3: that's a great opportunity. Thanks for mentioning that. Jeff. And
6: we're taking a lot of notes. So these are the thoughts we want to hear about issues and uh, observations.
3: See Kevin's
0: hand next. Yep, David, if you could. Um, I see a lot of double crosswalks across Bridgeway. I don't think that they're necessary. If you eliminate one, you can increase the site distance for the vehicles and the pedestrians as well. You mm-hmm. Might want to take a look at that. And I'd love to hear your views on traffic calming on this section of Bridgeway. Is the center lane needed? Um, just kind of throwing some ideas out of how can we how can we slow folks down through this corridor? Mm-hmm.
6: We'll get back to you on all that. So we're gonna be looking at the traffic numbers, the access in and out of the uh, six or seven side streets, several of them are one way, one direction or the other. Um, And the crosswalks, you know, um, I think that is a real possibility, really making these, making one or, if there's some that are consolidated into one, make a super high visibility. So the motorists really know where the person's crossing, where we have the best visibility, Maybe even possibly areas for refuge islands if we have extra space in the street. Um, so we'll be looking at all that, Kevin.
3: Uh, we see Warren next. Warren,
2: thanks, Aaron. Um, I just wanted to speak uh, again, kind of double up on on people's comments around daylighting, um, especially as a as a new parent pushing a stroller. I'm especially radicalized around around daylighting the importance of of clearing that space. You know, if you're pushing a sh- stroller or if you're a person who's a, a wheelchair user, you know, you're you're putting the vulnerable person uh in in the in the line of cars before you can actually really see it yourself. Um so really wanted to to um push in favor of that. Also I wanted to, I wanted to push back gently, um David, about about your note about speed, you know. What we're seeing in these police reports is the primary collision factor, not the sole collision factor. And and speed and sight distance interact. And so, you know, if if you know Councilmember Cleveland Knowles noted earlier that she's stopped and brakes a couple times, happily she's not speeding. If she's going faster and hits someone, you know, is is it a is it because she's speeding or because is a pedestrian right-of-way violation? The more we slow down, the more people we slow people down, the more um, tolerance there is, the more there are going to be those situations where someone taps the brakes but the collision doesn't actually happen. Thanks.
6: Yeah, and I didn't mean that speed wasn't a contributing factor. Obviously, there's limited sight lines when someone's going around a corner. They don't have enough time to react. Press their brakes come to complete stop at some of the speeds, particularly when there's limited, limited sight lines. So that's I think speed, uh, just north-south speed, as well as turning speed and reaction uh, is something that needs to be addressed. And that goes back to Kevin's comment about traffic calming, making this, uh, trying to get the overall speeds down into a reasonable limit.
3: I have uh, my hand up. If we can look at Napa real quick, I just had a little subtle thing to point out.
6: Yeah, um, and I was gonna point out, this, So I think Warren was bringing this up with somebody else about the uh, you know, daylighting. And here, remember, Locus is where we had a couple of pet collisions and parking is allowed right up to the corner. And keep in mind, most of the collisions occurred because of southbound
3: vehicles, right? Seems seems like to you. So the the uh, when when watching a, a a beginning driver, which happens to be my car, learning how to drive through the years, so Tesla. <laughs> um, it actually uh, going going southbound. Um, it if you look at to see where you're cruising, and then now you go through the intersection, and then the lane where you were traveling is now kind of a bike lane. If you were to go straight, so. So I was uh, through the years I've been able to watch my Tesla because before it would just go and aim for that <laughs> that bike lane and and continue driving down it. So I just kind of wanted to show that already the geometry of that intersection is kind of odd and there's really nothing even indicating that the, that there's this uh, kind of shift if you will. So just uh, just kind of a subtle thing that that is more noticeable when your cars uh, <laughs> cars learning how to drive.
6: yeah, you're right there's about a two or three foot offset.
5: Mm-hmm. Just through that side street. Yeah. David, I know it wasn't in your scope, probably, but the slip lane itself to Caledonia. Did you come across any accidents in that part? I don't know if you were reviewing that as in scope or not. Um, do you know if we did up here,
6: or we can we can query that? Are you talking about right here? Kieran? Yeah, I just kind of see that
5: in the roundabout yeah. concept, like all part of that same system. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. We'll take a look at that. Yeah, because that one—that one feels a little bit scary as a pedestrian, as a cyclist, or just the speed that comes through.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: This I is have great, you guys. I, I
6: want to keep on hearing other other thoughts, and we can also go down the down the street a little bit and see if that
3: yeah
6: inspires you some ideas. So again, northbound, we have we only have two gaps in the in the bike lanes from. Um, you know, downtown all the way to gate, gate six, one in the southbound direction, uh, you know, right up here between um, what spring or so and uh, this area, Napa, and then northbound direction from Johnson to Leto, right? There's there's Sherrows there, and there have been a couple bike collisions in the northbound direction with cars. Mm-hmm.
3: Something that, uh, that, you wouldn't see on a map but you know when you're riding it is is the uh the speed of when you're bicycling um southbound uh coming into Napa and on the um the Shero uh class 3 it it's really easy to get speed i guess i don't know i must be a hill there but or whatever but it's 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 very easy to uh to to get speed so i feel like you know cyclists are coming in actually at a at a faster uh you know pace than when when they would be exiting uh, southbound yeah, yeah yeah when they're going southbound versus uh northbound i think you have uh, a slower uh slower traffic typically and, and whatever anyway so i think that's worth mentioning too that that the um we have and of course you know ha- i think it's great you know like to to be able to have the speed for the cyclists so they can um you know just it's it's just part of uh of of an enjoyment and um, feeling efficient and, and encouraging people to take bikes because they're not always huffing and puffing, but uh, but it is also um, an opportunity for, to uh, to get the cyclists to slow down at that same point too because there is that transition.
4: And they don't and they tend to cruise right through, stop crosswalks.
3: Yeah. Yeah exactly
6: you know one thing also we noticed here uh, this street does not have uh, sharks teeth yield lines uh, and it lacks pedestrian crosswalk signs mm-hmm. so again if uh, if you're a tourist you're not paying attention and there's 11 uncontrolled crosswalks again we're also very sensitive about sign pollution but we want to uh, consider uh, safety countermeasures that would that be could be successful mm-hmm. so those are some additional observations we had
1: Jake yeah maybe this goes without saying and you guys are thinking about this uh, but you know a certain subset of our our users of this roadway are are always going to be tourists and perhaps they don't even speak or read english and you know as someone who's traveled in china and europe and australia and lived there for many years it takes time to figure out the the rules of the road sometimes and Having a greenway that identifies where a bike goes and where a car goes. Cause as I walk down the street, oftentimes much of the frustration that may or may not get um recorded by the police is just the confusion between the bikes and the cars. You know, you got bikes riding double wide with three feet between one bike and the other, and the cars trying to get around. And the tourists just don't know. And it's not because they're ignoring the law, they just don't know it's not clear enough. So um you know, how can we make this easy enough for anyone who may not read that sign in English to cruise down this beautiful city that, you know, we're, we're going to continue to get tourists for a long time, I assume.
6: You know, one thing also I've been wondering is if uh, people get confused about some of the side streets being one way, one direction, or the mm-hmm. other, and some being two-way, uh, with wrong-way movements or, or you know, uh, behaviors like that. So I'd be very curious what the
3: group thinks. Hmm. The uh, if we can go to Johnson real quick, uh, I was, you know, for me, uh, when I hear that Johnson, and I've heard that before, the Johnson's kind of a uh, uh, high point, and we saw that on the map, but it's this controlled uh, light, so I guess, um. If you could you provide me some insight. I, I haven't had as many interactions there that have been issues. So can you provide some insight into where the conflicts are happening there.
6: Yeah, the um, let's go back to some of the uh, diagrams that we looked at previously. We do know we've looked at the signal. It has some obsolete hardware. Some of it is being upgraded as part of a grant. This includes eight inch signal heads instead of 12 inch um, heads. So they're not super visible. Uh, we think other things that are happening, people are uh, just trying to get through yellow light and, and speeding through it. So that's been yeah. some of the collisions that have occurred here. Again, this is the only controlled intersection
0: mm-hmm.
6: along this corridor. So mm-hmm. it's uh, that's what's happening. There's also left-turn arrows when there's not a lot of left turns. So there mm-hmm. could be some some congestion that's occurring that it can frustrate people at certain times.
3: Yeah. Okay. That, that makes sense. Um okay. Uh David, you're next.
6: Hey, one other thing I wanted to point out here, Aaron, oh. also though, this is it's a it's an it's this awkward kind of a bike unexpected bike merge in the mm. northbound direction. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So there's a uh there's even stenciling here that says bike merge ahead. Mm-hmm. So cyclists are here in the bike lane and then boom, you know, everyone has to oh, yeah. merge through, you know, And it's a out. it's a bulb
3: out too. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, we're, we're jamming it out there. I mean, it's, it's nice to be an advanced cyclist because you just oh. know mid, mid, mid intersection, you got to be sticking it out there and, and taking your lane. I, you know. I, I think that, that intersection to me screens for a leading pedestrian
7: interval on it when, we, when the light system gets upgraded um, both in both directions. Um, because people crossing Johnson, I see all the time, there's interactions between cars making left-hand turns and pedestrians trying to cross the street there. There's a lot of unsafe interaction I see going on there all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, Newsom just signed a law about allowing cyclists to use leading pedestrian intervals right. in a couple of years. And so the people going northbound, bikes going northbound, I think that would help. And maybe even a bicycle box there would help. Just get the bikes out in front of the cars. Because, you know, the next thing, the bikes are in front of the cars. The cars are going slow. They're not speeding. And that's probably a a good thing safety-wise. People might be impatient. I know sometimes I'm impatient when I'm driving on that road. Um, And, you know, I know we can't get rid of parking, but it would be great if we could get a bike lane in there because that would just help everybody that the interactions sometimes are just unsafe because people end up going into the median to to past people. And it's, you know, if there was a better solution out there, that would be great
1: too. Thank you.
5: Uh, Kieran? Yeah, just a couple of comments in this section. I mean, great one on the leading pedestrian indicator. Thanks, David. Um, I had a buddy who spent a couple of days in the hospital just a couple of weeks ago. Kind of where that white car is n- northbound Bridgeway. There. Yeah, right. That there, mm-hmm. you got Dord, right there. Okay. Um, you know, bike commuter for decades, SF to Marin back and forth, and you know, finally uh, his his day came. Unfortunately, um, I've never seen that bike merch ahead. <laughs> My brain has never processed that mm-hmm. uh, road parking before, which just kind of goes to show you um, what we see and what we don't see, even if things that are out there and overabundance. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel that squeeze. I find myself pretty often now taking the left turn onto Caledonia Street instead of continuing on Bridgeway. So right here. Um, yeah, like when mm-hmm. when I can see that it's clear enough, I just kind of go that way and try and skip some of the madness on mm-hmm. Bridgeway. Um, I definitely, as I'm doing that, I notice a lot of pedestrians, especially visitors, I can like feel their apprehension on both of those really long crosswalks there. Um, just kind of going like, oh, really? Like, how am I going to cross this street uh, with traffic coming in and out, especially when it's green lights? Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are definitely some over long here. Ones. Okay. Yeah, I mean the those yeah. the ones at Johnson are at least controlled, but the ones with the hashes on them are uh-huh. not, um, and they're they're super long. Um, what should I call it? This has a uh, close to where that white car was. That I call that a little bit further to the right is our only bike lane sign in town, I believe. Um, it's indicating that the call it the Eastern <laughs> bike path, the Eastern sidewalk is actually a bike path, which right here. no one actually uses and you'll get yelled at, you know, people give you dirty looks if you use it, but that's just a fun, fun trivia fact. Uh, but it just kind of also indicates like we actually, there's a lot of right of way there. It just feels like there's pretty inefficient usage, which is leading to lots of incidents and close calls. Um... And the other thing I'll call is I probably use those Johnson crossings the most, like even though it's most direct for me is Turney or Litho or depending on what stairs I take down or the road, like mm-hmm. I find myself using the controlled intersections more and more largely because of this overall speed issue.
6: This is so great information, good. you guys. We're going to be annotating these maps with our findings in your in your observations, so thank you.
0: Kevin, I
3: see you're next.
0: I'll just make it quick. David, in your travels, looking at other areas, other cities, do you see other roadways that have made changes to uh, their systems similar to what we want to do here on Bridgeway? Anything you can offer the group on uh, different areas where things have been improved that we can take a look at?
6: Oh, absolutely! We're doing a lot of um, quick build projects that are going to lead to long term solutions. You know, throughout the Bay Area, these can include, you know, you know, if, if we want to test uh, curb bulbs, refuge areas, uh, removing turn lanes. Um, these can all these a lot of these things can be demonstrated and tested uh, before and after uh, roundabouts as well. Um, Loading parking with the uh, protected bikeways that might be tough on this street due to the, the constrained width of the roadway. Yeah, we've been doing quite a bit of work in uh, some communities like in the city of Alameda and up in Petaluma, a couple additional progressive areas that are doing some some major roadway real reallocations on streets such as this. So I can we can point to some uh some samples also in Berkeley got um, several projects in Berkeley that have a lot of the same similar attributes
0: um
3: i uh i wanted to mention that like the uh the roundabout on the other side makes perfect sense because there's this opportunity to turn around and go back i mean i think that's one of the really great things about roundabouts in this kind of area because you didn't find the parking in that one direction but you saw it on the other side uh, kevin had hinted towards hey maybe there's an opportunity to to, to you know, consume the the, uh, the the center turn lane or the median or whatever we want to call it. Maybe even put some some nice uh, traffic calming stuff there. But when that happens, then this ability to turn around and and uh, or maybe you know uh, blocking it the the turns can be a problem. So if we go back to Johnson, I think uh, then on this side, <laughs> I've always had uh, difficulty. Like, how are we going to get people to turn around? It's actually not that difficult, especially with the Johnson stoplight there. For example, if you're you're going to be going southbound and you need to turn around and go back northbound because you saw that spot, you, you may not be able to get a roundabout there in that smaller area, but you could make a right on Caledonia and then a, left, a right on Johnson and then make a left back on and, and continue that way. I don't think that would be obvious to most people, but I think this is an opportunity where if we guide people about return to, you know, whatever, then, then that's an opportunity to use some of our existing roadways to, to, um, satisfy the, the need to turn around. And I just wanted to mention that because as I think you had pointed out, uh, during that, that, that odd red square, uh, in the middle, mid block, you know, how did, how how did that have a collision? And it's like, yeah, the guy was probably doing a U-turn or whatever. And, uh, and so if we can, if we can avoid any of that, all that stuff by giving uh, good guidance about the right way to do something, you know, or maybe the only way to do something, uh, then, but still satisfying the need that we have, which is, oh, I just need to go back and and find that parking that I missed or whatever. Susan, thanks, Aaron. Um, I just wanted to.
8: Um, agree with Kieran that I feel safest at the Johnson's you know the signalized intersection and I try to get there sort of as a pedestrian at least. I know that there were a bunch of incidents there but it's interesting to me that that's the one signalized intersection and that we still had had issues there. Um, I use the um, Caledonia Street San Carlos Bridgeway intersection all the time both on a bike because I live uh, up on Sausalito Boulevard, and that's how I—the easiest way for me to get downtown. So, both on a bike and um, in a car, and I find that intersection just really, really challenging. That's also the way I get home if I'm biking or driving—is taking that right hand turn, and I—you know—you've got to be so careful for cyclists who are going at pretty high speeds coming south.
6: Susan, you said the yeah. Caledonia intersection.
8: The Caledonia, yeah. yeah we've Carlos, exten- we
6: purposely have extended the study area one further block to the mm-hmm. south because. Um,
8: yeah, that's yeah. like the, the and what I've noticed is that this San Carlos, which is the one that goes up the hill, not flat, uh, right. which is Caledonia, is how um, Google or Apple Maps or something is sending a huge number of Ubers, taxis, tourists that. Um, entrance and exit to Sausalito is getting busier and busier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that intersection is getting busier and busier. So I just kind of like to highlight that it's not only the long crosswalks, the um, east west, but the north south crosswalk on the west side is really long and really can just the whole area is so confusing. To and,
6: and again I hate to beat a dead horse but again parking for years has been allowed almost to the crosswalks and yeah. best practices yeah. would tell you at least 20 feet away should be daylighted so these, these are
3: things we're going to be looking at yeah okay. beat, beat that dead horse David keep beating it yeah. <laughs> yeah
8: and then I just wanted to agree on um a need for some kind of bike lane on that where there isn't one uh north of um, Johnson.
6: So yeah, again, it's, it's it transitions right here from class two to and class three.
8: Yeah, just to emphasize Jake's point that color is so much easier to follow when you're disoriented or when you don't know where you're going, which is you know at least half the people navigating around Sausalito most of the time, and flashing, you know, flashing crosswalks like the things that don't require signs.
0: Mm-hmm. I think
8: signs are really hard. To read uh, when you're moving in any capacity, really.
6: Yeah, and, we think the world. best, most effective is this good design. Yeah. yeah.
8: So, colors, lights, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad you're taking a look at the San Carlos Caledonia Bridgeway intersection um, because I think that's a real a huge issue now. So, thanks. And also, um, I'm going to have to sign out pretty soon, but I did just want to say for further outreach, I don't know if we're going to have a discussion about that, but I would love to have this presentation with Sausalito Village or some, you know, Sybil might have some good ideas about sort of the senior community. And then also if we could get a group of parents uh, with young kids together in some format, maybe even like a event at Robin Sweeney or at Dunphy, um, to get input, I think, those users of this corridor would be really important to hear from if we have the
6: ability to do that. That's a great idea. And we're going to try to get some better demographic information about who's been hit out here, especially the vulnerable users.
8: David, this was, and um, to your team, this was a really fantastic presentation that you did tonight. Um, I would say to Sybil's earlier point, some of those graphs with all the like head bike (laughs) You know, maybe just one cheat sheet that people can hold on to to mm-hmm. synthesize the information for folks that aren't, um, you know, that aren't used to looking at all those different. Yeah,
6: things. we'll we'll try to we'll try to think of that. You know, it's always about the accident type, the yeah. factor.
8: No, it's great. I mean, it's, there's a <laughs> so lot, of, a first, as yeah. you said, a lot of data, Um and just making it understandable. Um
6: to, Yeah, uh, I think again, what's what's Disturbing, impressive, but disturbing to me is this that half the collisions have been with bikes and pads, right? And maybe that's what we focus on, and a lot of the messaging just get right to it, right? Because yeah. these are the these are the folks who are getting injured. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Uh, we'll take our last question from Jake, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up. Uh...
1: Yeah, just a quick one. Um, and maybe you're already on this, David, but a lot of those temporary um, crosswalk signs I've seen. Um, Get knocked over or run over by delivery trucks, and I actually don't think it's at fault of them. It's just, I don't think they have a choice because parking's right up against the the sidewalk, and uh, so just something to consider as we think about design, and delivery trucks coming in and out of these um, these cross streets between Bridgeway and Caledonia, so that they have enough width to to get through those. Do you
6: mean a existing? There's some existing temporary crosswalk signs.
1: Yeah, they're the hard rubber, and you actually just place them inside it, and they stand upright. Oh, the in-street yield of pedestrian signs. Yeah, that and, you see in the middle I've, of the street sometimes. Seen okay. A handful of delivery trucks have no option but to hit them because mm-hmm. um, they just don't have the clearance to make a wide enough turn. Got it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And uh yeah, with that in mind, uh also the uh the the delivery trucks will park in the center uh turn lane and oftentimes close to the crosswalk, which then um blocks the, the view of the person crossing. I even took a video myself of
4: uh
3: <laughs> you know, being being the uh t- crash dummy. Uh we'll take public comments. So, so Sybil, sure. um your hand. Aaron, would you like yeah. me to keep the map
6: up? So we can just kind uh, of yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay.
3: Thank you.
4: Um, A comment I'd like to make about the crosswalk designations is um, it's very clear that the most effective um, signal that the crosswalk is in use are those embedded lights actually in the road, lighting up when the crosswalk is being used. Um, The hope is that even bicyclists would stop if they saw that. Um, I've, our experience has been that that's, you know, definitely the most effective. I know that you know there's issues of maintenance and and cost, but that would certainly they're certainly the most visible ones. Even the overhead light at Napa, those um, you know are not always paid attention to. Um, I have noticed um, that the crosswalk lighting there. Uh, Which we worked very hard to get years ago. That was um, especially requested by um, seniors living right there on B Street, um, that came down to cross to the park there, and um, and and that did you know get that one light installed, that one you know overhead lights um, that light up when somebody's using the crosswalk. But it would be fantastic if that. If there was a, a possibility, I mean, including that kind of crosswalk signaling uh, to um, both cars and, and bicycles that the crosswalk is in use. Um, just a couple of days ago, I was downtown and, it, and experienced two bicycles going through crosswalks with people. One with in the crosswalk, and one of the people was me, and I was hit. By a by a bicyclist sideswipe, you could say he brushed against my arm, uh somebody on a uh, electric bike. Um and um some tourists that were sitting there having their ice cream or, or, or I don't know, in one of those, I don't know if that was the ice cream shop, but they were sitting at a table there, and went, Oh wow, that that was terrible. That would never happen where I come from. You know, and um You know, it's a little bit shocking to get, you know, physically, you know, hit by someone just going right past you in the crosswalk. And um, as I mentioned, I had just observed minutes before that, somebody crossing with a a stroller um, and a, a car was stopped and the bicycle was on the right of the car and they didn't stop when they saw the car stop. So they may not have seen the person in the crosswalk, but you know it seemed it, it was just one of those things that makes it obvious that we we really need to um, somehow uh, get more um, attention um, to people in crosswalks.
6: Okay. And, well, I stand um, corrected. There's not eleven uncontrolled crosswalks. There's thirteen uncontrolled crosswalks. Along this corridor, so we we'll, we will be looking at you know uh, the the best practices for crosswalk visibility, and warnings. So we'll be recommending some um, improvements along those lines.
4: That would be great because even the most minor injury is a serious injury for an older adult. Yeah. Of, you know, a broken bone can actually be, turn out to be a a, a fatality for mm-hmm. for some seniors. So. Um, we really want to pay attention to that. Thank you
0: so much. Yep. Mr. So Chairman, I think we're almost out of time this evening. We oh. are. Right. Yep, that'll be it. So,
3: uh, so thank you very much, David Parisi uh, and your team for, for getting that together, coming and spending your night with us and, and going through this and, and being uh, so interested in hearing us, um, what we have to say. Really appreciate it.
6: Thank you. Do you want me to cover next steps? From our yeah. end, okay,
3: great. Uh, yes, please.
6: Yeah. If I have just a moment, I'll reshare my screen real quick. Um, you guys mentioned many of these different countermeasures. I'm not going to go through this list, but um, there's a lot of different things we're going to be considering, from short term to longer term remedies. We're here tonight to listen to you. Vanir and I and, and our team will be uh, developing a short term and a longer range plan. Uh, with options. So a lot of the things you mentioned tonight, what's not on this list, you mentioned we'll, we'll cover that as well. Um, our next steps are to develop the short-term and long-range draft recommendations uh, and bring them back to this group. And uh, that's what we'll do. We're also going to be taking a look at some of the questions that you had tonight about, for instance, the demographics on the types of uh, victims and, and that kind of information. And uh, take a deeper dive in a couple of those collisions to really understand it. And of course, we'll be back. The, the BPAC is super important for this uh, study, as you've proven tonight with your, good, your great insight and ideas. Um, and at the end of the day, we're, we'll prepare a report. I do want to say one last thing. A few years ago when we looked at this quarter as part of the systemic safety analysis report, any ideas for safety enhancements which score very high on a grant application for the Highway Safety Improvement Program? So I think that's probably, Kevin, that's probably something you want to do down the line is is come up with, see what the recommendations are here and try to find some funding. So um, that's the ultimate ultimate goal is to get something, something built and create a safer environment. Yeah. So thank you. That's, uh ends our presentation. Again, thanks for your input.
3: Thanks. Thanks, David. Uh, Warren, I see your hand up. Uh, why don't you ask a question quick?
6: Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it quick. I just wanted to
2: kind of remind people that... Um, AB, AB 43 uh does apply to this corridor. And I wanted to make sure I didn't get a chance to look at all those um potential countermeasures, but a lowered speed limit should be among among those um, that your team looks at, uh, David, since this does qualify under that new bill. Thanks.
3: Yeah, that's good input. Yeah. Yeah, great reminder. Thank you. Okay. Uh thanks everybody for your patience, participation, and all that. Um, actually, special thanks to I think the city the city engineers, uh, city council, everybody that heard heard us uh, and and the and the county and David's previous Marin County uh you know analysis of this and 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 took action and and got this uh where it is today. So good work to get us here and a lot more to go but uh great start. Um Kevin, I know that you had uh, some project updates. Uh, do you want to go through that or would you, do you feel that there's anything pressing uh, time
0: pressing that we need to be looking at right now? Or? No, there's nothing pressing. The only one item is to just alert folks that we are working on our resurfacing. So we should be doing work on Johnson street, Gerard, and Platt road. So just to let folks know that uh, our contractor, Majoran Gelati is working on curb ramps on Gerard, and we should be moving forward in the next two weeks with getting the paving done as well. So it's just kind of a heads up. Keep your eyes open for construction and do your best to work your way around it. Your patience is always appreciated. Thank you. Very cool. Okay, so
3: that uh, that was the next agenda item, uh, the project updates. If anybody has a public comment on that, you can raise your hand and and, uh, do so now. Okay. Okay. we also uh, then, I don't see any hands, so we'll move on to the next item, which is our future uh, future agenda items. Um, and uh, it's also probably worth mentioning too that uh, we would not have a November feedback um, and then also December would likely be uh, in the holiday season as well. So um, we can also discuss that, Kieran, that could get some feedback from you because I wouldn't be here in December to uh, to have it myself. But uh, but that's something we can talk about too at the uh, this future agenda item. So does anybody have a, a future agenda item that feels we should be uh, discussing?
0: I'd like to bring back the Ferry Landside project yeah. at some point in time because it's, it's a decent-sized project and it seems to have involved everybody so far. So as we work forward with it, let's bring it back to everybody. The thing I'd like to mention is it might be nice to have a lunch together one of these days. Mm. So um, we might want to consider that in the, you you might be too busy over the holiday season, but January, it might be nice to go out to lunch. I'm going to think about it.
3: What, what are the? Uh, I, I guess as long as we don't discuss uh, bicycle stuff, then we don't break the Brown Act, right? But or would we? Would we public? If we televised it, would that be okay? <laughs> yeah,
0: let me look into that part. I was just thinking of it'd be nice to see everybody in person. <laughs> so I love that,
3: though. Around. What a great idea, Kevin! Thank you so much. I think that's wonderful, and I think we we could find uh, a way to do that. And it'd be hard to get this crew together and not talk about this stuff, but uh, we 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 could try. <laughs> <laughs> Karen.
5: Yeah, uh, landside would be great as a future gen item and if we could incorporate any evolved thinking on Greenway and how Greenway passes through, which mm-hmm. is sort of Fairlandside but more more adjacent, um, that would be a good one to do together. And the other one I had in mind was, Kevin, I think uh, we talked about gate se- Segment 6 of the Greenway, which is from e- essentially extending the multi-use path to Harbor. Um, it's on the longer CIP list, it's on the active list, but we think it could be a pretty good candidate for seeking grant funds. I don't know, maybe it doesn't have to be a full-blown discussion, but is there anything we could do to like, would getting city council support help us to that end? Could we do a preliminary study that helps us seek other dollars? That could be a good session to discuss. Mm
0: -hmm. That sounds good. We are doing a lot of work associated with grants and I've got my eye on just the exact project you mentioned. So we'll see if we can find a grant that applies specifically to that type of project. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking for now.
3: Very cool. Um, Kevin, uh, in regards to timing, do you feel uh, like with the Ferry Landside, would January be too long of a wait, or is, that, uh, is there something that you'd like to discuss prior to that, given the timing there?
0: I, I think we'd be fine with the Ferry Landside later on in the in just after the holidays. I'd like to bring it to pl- the planning commission in the next month so if we do have a vested interest in that project i would recommend that you tune in to the planning commission i think it's november 16th okay we're trying to if, shoot for.
3: if uh kevin for uh you know if you can remember to uh, shoot it to pback at, at sausalito.gov but if not then uh kieran and, and others just uh maybe we could just send that out and give everybody a reminder i think that would be great i think uh, you know, we we should be participating in those other places where you're you're socializing this and that uh, we can participate just fine there without um, violating the Brown Acts. It sounds great. Mm-hmm. Great. Right. Okay, cool. Is anybody has uh, any other suggestions for future
0: agenda items? Um, the only thing I, if we're not going to meet in November and December, I want to say thank you to everybody. This has been a nice group and I just want to thank you from a staff's perspective. It's a pleasure working with you.
8: And I'll just throw in a thanks too, because this will be my last meeting as your liaison. So, anyway, you guys are awesome. So, I really, it's been. I will. I will continue to come, but
7: um, wow. it's been
8: so great. You guys are just the most amazing group of volunteers in the city. So, not the. I mean, I can't say that most.
3: <laughs> well, thank you. We get to. Take... I love
8: coming to these meetings.
3: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Susan, and thank you for everything uh, that you've done for Sausalito. And uh, we've 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 we're happy. We're really happy that you get to get your life back here a little bit and enjoy some of that. So, and do enjoy that. Um, but uh, you've left your mark. And I do believe I sat on your bench the other day too so thank you for that that's
1: really nice
3: um yeah wow that's I'm gonna I'm gonna cry here
5: all right thank you Kevin
3: yeah thank you all and uh happy holidays and all that and um you know uh be be shooting uh shooting uh emails to PBAC as as uh even if it's just the spirit of the holiday like our, our friend kevin uh with the uh the skeleton on a bicycle today so um everybody thank you so much and uh we'll we'll uh, we'll see you out on the bike path cheers
5: thank you or walking path yeah sorry walking path too <laughs>
3: we're driving for that matter or on the bus
1: <laughs> hey, buddy
8: recording stopped